Rink Wide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog. From sports odds to free casino games, make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pad here with you to wrap up the week. We got some news that is swirling around the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, we'll talk to Patrick Johnson from Post Media, the province, a little bit later on here in the show. We'll get to that uh, big game three of the Stanley Cup final as well. But let's start with what our buddy Dollywall is reporting this morning, saying there could be surgery for Ethan Bear on his shoulder. Uh, he injured himself at the World Hockey Championships, which we knew about already. But now with this possible surgery looming, boy, could Ethan Bear perhaps be moved on from the, could, could the Canucks move on from Ethan Bear because of this, J-Pat? Or have they painted themselves into a corner that, uh, well, they're going to have to sign him regardless? Well, it complicates matters, certainly. Uh, you know, he needs a new contract. And, uh, you know, I know Dolly Wall's reporting, if it's surgery, like we're talking about months of recovery that would take you well into next season if you're the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you know, you got to get better right off the hop. And so it complicates matters on that level. Uh, does it make you rethink whether you're going to re-sign Ethan Bear? Uh, perhaps it does give them pause at that point. Uh, I'm starting to wonder now, like, does it make people reconsider whether it's a good idea to want the Vancouver Canucks to go to represent their countries at the World Hockey Championship? Last year it was OEL. This year it's Ethan Bear. Both of them got hurt. We know uh, that it hampered OEL's ability to train in the offseason. He was behind the eight ball when he showed up at camp and never really caught up. Uh, you know, is it going to be the same thing for Ethan Bear? And, you know, I, I suppose, uh, like, I've always been a proponent, like, hey, you missed the playoffs, why not go and extend your season? Guys talk about having a good time at the Worlds. Uh, Bear ultimately wins a gold medal, but he couldn't play the semifinal or the final. And... It's funny because a week ago he was in Kamloops. He was dropping the ceremonial puck at the Memorial Cup. He was out there in a golf shirt. He looked good. There was no visible signs of damage. And I thought, all right, like, you know, again, I'm not a doctor here, but just to the naked eye, this guy doesn't look like he's in any sort of distress. And now we're hearing that that shoulder uh, obviously isn't responding to treatment uh, the way that he and probably the hockey club would like. Now, Dollywell is also saying there is an avenue where surgery may not be required and he could play, but doesn't that, to me, you just came through a season where you picked up Philip Aronic, who was banged up at the time of the trade. He played four games and they had to shut him down because he wasn't quite right. You know, what are you doing? If you're going to let a guy play through the injury next year, again, this is a team that has to improve and likely has to improve from within. So uh, this changes a, a fair bit to me because we're already trying to figure out what does the right side of that Canucks defense look like and I've always penciled Ethan Bear in figuring that they were going to get some sort of deal done but if he's not available to them to start the season man if you're Jet Wu or you're Cole McWard who happens to be celebrating his 22nd birthday today like you're sitting up and taking notice of this news uh, because if Bear can't go like if they decide that surgery is the route for him then absolutely there is an opening on that right side of the Vancouver Canucks defense. Remember when Elias Patterson was flirting with the idea of going to the Worlds and we put out that poll asking whether he should and people sort of shit all over it. I think it was like 80% saying, yes, he should go. And people going like asking us, well, why are you guys even asking this? That's why we're asking this. Could you imagine if it was Elias Patterson that got a shoulder injury at the World Hockey Championship? Like, I know it's hypothetical, but at the same time too, Again, like you said, there could be pause from the organization to send players now. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, like how many 200 guys take part in the World Hockey Championship and 
two of them get hurt. Um, you know, the odds are low. And there's always the risk anytime you step on the ice. They're hockey players. They want to play. They want to represent their country. They want to get that experience. I mean, Milan Lucic raved about the opportunity that he had never had to represent Canada, to go overseas. Uh, you know, Tyler Myers, disappointing regular season here, but kind of puts a different bow on it at the end that, you know, at least there was a payoff. So I don't think it's going to stop guys from going, but I do wonder if it changes the viewpoint of the fan base Next year, if the Canucks miss the playoffs and guys are available to their federations, are you like, all right, maybe this is the year that you all just take a step back. But next year, it's in Prague, one of the great cities of the world. Like if I ever, if I was in that position and my federation asked me, and I'm like, a couple of weeks in Prague, yeah, sign me up. So uh, hey, if a sponsor wants to get involved, we'll go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go and represent. We will. I got a good buddy that lives in Prague. We might even be able to stay with him. We can cut the costs. Uh, it is. It's an incredible city. It was there a couple of years ago. In fact, I was there when Trevor Linden was amicably split from the Vancouver Canucks. I remember waking up to the news uh, at our Airbnb in Prague. So, um, no, I, again, I don't think you can ever say to players, hey, don't go because you might get injured. I mean, every time they step on NHL ice, they could get injured. It's just, it's unfortunate for the Canucks that for a second year now, uh, guys think they're doing the right thing, and then they get hurt. And ultimately, you know, they are they do it for the love of their country there, but their paychecks come from these NHL teams. So this is fascinating. It's a, a really interesting wrinkle. Uh, not good news, because even if you don't think Ethan Bear is, you know, a, a perfect player, and he's not, but I think he was better than, you know, a lot of what they had, and certainly in my eyes was one of their top three guys on the right side for the Vancouver Canucks. So let's see where it goes. Certainly worth monitoring. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this news a couple of weeks out. I mean, they have to qualify him here. And uh, they got, I think, three more weeks to do that. Uh, and then into unrestricted free agency beyond that. Uh, so, you know, again, this just throws a wrench into uh, what was already uh, a pretty cloudy, murky situation for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, and also, too, if they were thinking perhaps they could just replace Bear with an old Canuck in Luke Shen. Well, Dollywall also reporting that he's uh, closing in on perhaps signing with the Leafs, looking for a bump in pay, some term and some trade protection. And I think Toronto can offer him all of that. And listen, if he wants to stay there and what Dollywall is reporting, it looks like perhaps that might be uh, coming down the pike uh, sometime soon here. Right. And so if you thought that was a plan B in any sense for the Canucks, and we spent some time on a recent episode talking about, you know, like, well, maybe, like, maybe this changes the calculus on Kyle Burroughs or Noah Juleson. It Like, right now, it, it felt for the longest time like the Canucks were going to walk away from those guys. Well, hold the phone. Uh, you know, they still have the negotiating rights. Neither one of them has hit unrestricted free agency and won't until uh, July the 1st. But you wonder if they're going to be forced to double back here. Uh, because we said it, it's quite a gap from Philip Peronic, Tyler Myers, Ethan Bear, just in terms of age and experience, to Jet Wu and Cole McWard and Philip Johansson as right side guys. And that's where I thought Luke Shen maybe slots back in, a veteran uh, familiar with the system, uh, low maintenance, liked and respected in the locker room, brings that element of toughness that Rick Tockett talked about. Like I think Luke Shen did check off a number of boxes, but that's out of the Canucks' control right now. If he decides that Toronto is the fit for him and he's able to get what he's looking for, you know, this is where teams have to be nimble. They have to be prepared. Things don't exactly fall the way you want them to or expect them to. You've got to have a plan B and a plan C uh, in the event that, you know, some obstacles come your way. So 
Uh, all of a sudden, things heating up for the Vancouver Canucks. Maybe not the way that they anticipated, but this is life in pro sports. So uh, it was already going to be interesting next couple of weeks. This just adds to that and I think complicates that for the Vancouver Hockey Club. Let's get to that sign and trade that happened down today as well between the Devils and the Blue Jackets. Uh, Damon Severson uh, gets signed by the Devils and then flipped over to the Blue Jackets, a third-round pick going the other way. Uh, an interesting trade, though, in terms of, you know, we talked about, or I, I've mentioned it before, just how those sort of NBA-style trades are starting to leak into the NHL. This is a prime example of that right there. Yeah, Severson was headed for unrestricted free agency, and he and his agent wanted uh, the maximum deal. And, you know, that's why New Jersey was his current club. They were the only ones that could give him that eighth year and that's the way it went down. So, yeah, I mean, look, third-round pick, it's uh, not a huge uh, haul for the New Jersey Devils, but it's something when they knew that a player was going to walk away uh, for nothing. So I think on New Jersey's part, pretty smart. I mean, they've got Simon Nemitz just sitting there waiting in the wings, the second overall pick from last year. Like, oh, uh, it's good to be a team that, you know, has depth and has prospects and, you know, can be flexible uh, and look, the Columbus Blue Jackets have been down so long that I, I suppose I, I give Yarmo Kekalainen some credit here. It's been an active week, a busy week for him. It was Provorov the other day. Now it's Damon Severson. And you know, neither player is a perfect player, as we talked about with uh, Ethan Bear. There, there aren't many of them in the National Hockey League. So, you know, Severson's going to be 29 here this summer. You give him eight years. Uh, you know, what does the back end of that contract look like? You know, it's wild how sort of just you can connect dots in, in the hockey world. And like David Severson's yet another guy that played for the Kelowna Rockets. We're talking about Luke Shen. We're talking about Tyler Myers here. Uh, that Kelowna, you know, Shea Weber, Alex Edler, Tyson Berry. It's incredible over the years. So uh, the Kelowna defenseman factory. And in fact, just with names in the news, David Severson played for the Kelowna Rockets. Well, Ryan Huska was the head coach there, and it sounds like Ryan Huska is going to be introduced as the head coach of the Calgary Flames, and Ryan Huska's a good dude. We won't get off topic here, but he was a Kamloops Blazer, so way back when, when I was calling games, uh, just then, he was one of those guys that you know you could see was going to get into coaching at some level. Did I think he was going to be an NHL head coach at that point? No, but just a really smart player. One of those guys that played one game in the National Hockey League. So, uh, you know, he got to the show. Can't take that away from him, but sounds like he's going to be back in the show now. And he's paid his dues. Assistant coach in the Western Hockey League. Head coach in the Western Hockey League. Assistant coach at the minor pro level. And then head coach. And then assistant coach in the NHL. And ultimately working his way to a head coaching job. So, sounds like that's going to happen there. Uh, But back to Columbus for a sec. Again, like they, you know, they're one of those franchises that just is, sort of feels like it's always out in the weeds, uh, hasn't had much success. Went all in on Johnny Goodrow last year. That didn't work out. Now, part of that was that they suffered just a ridiculous amount of injuries. And nobody wants to use injuries as an excuse, but like Zach Wierenski played 13 games for them last year. That's it. And this is a guy that scored 20 goals from the defense position not that long ago. You know, he is the best thing that they've had there on the back end uh, for a while. And so when he's out for the bulk of the season, that hurts. But this is pretty instructive to me that, you know, there were prices to be paid. And again, are these the right answer? We won't know until Columbus ices its team. But Yarmulke Kalainen, motivated, has really completely 
reshaped his defense core. Like, it can be done. And, uh, you know, you got to get creative. He was involved in that three-way deal with the, the Kings and the Flyers the other day, parting with assets, but he had assets to part with to get Provorov. And I think a lot of people thought, all right, like, you know, that's probably their big upgrade on the back end for this offseason. Now they go out and they get Damon Severson. Um, they also got David Juracek, who was a high, high pick, and they've still got prospects in their system that people are are really high on. So, you know, it's not often that you see in today's NHL, you get a, if they get a full season out of Wierenski, they bring in Provorov, they bring in Severson, they you know, roll out David Juracek, they've essentially, they're going to be able to roll out a, a brand new top four at the NHL level, which again, you just, you know, you, no, absolutely. But year over year, you just don't see that much turnover and change in a defense core uh, for the Vancouver Canucks, who continue just to run it back, it feels like, with the same group and hoping against hope that, you know, there's going to be this improvement that uh, people want to see. So, uh, again, I don't know that the Severson deal is going to age well, but I also don't know that Yarmo Kekalainen will be the guy in charge at the back end of that contract. He's more about the here and the now. Feels like there's a little bit of desperation on some level. It feels like, uh, you know, Jim Benning at the tail end of his tenure with the Canucks, just in terms of, you know, trying to go big and trying to go all in to make things better. Um, But, you know, we'll see how all of these guys mesh with Mike Babcock, who's going to apparently be the head coach there in Columbus as well. So all kinds of moving parts for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but... Uh, hey, I mean, I'm a guy that likes things happening in the National Hockey League, like things to talk about. So I salute Jake Line and the Blue Jackets. What a busy, busy week for them, you know, going all in and making some significant deals. Babcock likes his meat and potatoes, though. He'll love Goody. Eric Branson. That's, yeah, but that was a bad contract yep. then. And now you've spent all this money on these other guys and commitments to these other players. Like, Goodbranson, there's still three years left at $4 million per. Uh, and he... Did he have photos of uh, Kekalainen or something? Like, how the hell did he get that contract? He's been getting contracts like that for years. I guess though. when you're six five, good, you know, two twenty. Yeah, like, he's a good dude. We always yeah, he's say handsome, you know, handsome yeah. guy, yeah. and you know, high draft pedigree and all that kind of stuff. And he's a right shot, like, and all of that. But you know, that contract didn't look great last year. That's when they didn't have Provorov, and they hadn't gone out and get like just the way their top four is shaping up. Like he is very much a bottom pair defender if he's a regular in their lineup. And that's a lot of money committed, uh, you know, to a, to a third pair guy. So that part of the deal, like, yeah, you, you know, there are upgrades and that's great. But when you've got those kind of deals on the books, that's not so good for the salary cap and uh, cap management. Still got Adam Boquist there and in, in waiting in the wings yep. as well. And he's sort of taken a bit. But as we know, with NHL a defenseman, it takes a while. And he's a right shot guy, too. So yeah, they're doing all right over there at Columbus. But uh, you're right. There is a bit of desperation with some of the moves that they're making. There was some desperation, perhaps, for others that missed out on the Canucks game-worn jersey auction. I know that you <laughs> dug into this. You wrote about it. It's up on the Hockey News now. Some big dollars being shelled out for some jerseys, in particular, the Elias Patterson assistant captain one going for the highest bid. Yeah, I don't think anybody would be surprised that an EP40 jersey was uh, the one that fetched top dollar. Now, I am not a collector, so I don't live in this world at all. Uh, more than 3700 bucks. This was a game-worn 
road jersey with the alternate captain A stitched on it. So, uh, you know, the, the Canucks don't designate which game it's from, but you can surmise that it was after the Bo Horvat deal when they made Hughes and Pedersen full-time alternates. So, uh, you know, I, I'm getting some feedback on Twitter from people that are, you know, that operate in this circle that said 3700 bucks was sort of, you know, the going right, the fact that it's got the alternate captain and that's a, a, a new thing that previous Pedersen game-worn jerseys wouldn't have had and didn't have, um, you know, that boosts the value a little bit. This is the road white. People are saying that the black skate obviously is a premium. So if it had been a black skate jersey with the A, that would have gone for more. And then I had somebody say that if they make Pedersen the captain, like the first time that there are game warns available with a C, they figure that'll go for ten grand. So uh, save up, Andrew. Yeah. Wow. You know, don't, wow. Uh, don't spend yet. You're going to need ten grand to get in on an EP40 jersey Oof. with the captain C on it. You know, I guess if there was a surprise for me, because there was another Patterson game worn, and this is all this team-based auction as well. It was all done online, and it closed late on Thursday night. And I was kind of watching through the day Thursday. Again, I just wanted to see if there was going to be a late flurry of activity. It seems that there was 29 bids for the PD jersey. It was kind of cruising around 2250 bucks for most of Thursday. And then I think people were waiting to get their late bids in, and that drove the price up. Uh, ultimately... Uh, it finished at 3765 There was a second EP40 jersey without the A. That one went for 2365 The surprise, I guess, for me is, though, that a Kuzmenko, deal, or Kuzmenko jersey got more than Quinn Hughes. Uh, there was a Quinn Hughes with the A on it as well, and you know, it went for $2,268. A Kuzmenko jersey, $2,400. And $21 was the winning bid there. So uh, do you think it's because it was essentially rookie season? And, you know, if you're a collector, it's like, well, this was, you know, his first year in the NHL. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any more, you know, like. Yeah, that very well may have played into it. And again, the Canucks don't designate which game particularly. So somebody said, you know, there are ways. I don't know if I would have to find out a little bit more to try and match it up with video or photos. I don't know if there's like marks on it or something. Do they wash these things? Like, do you get the actual stink of them too? Or like, I'm guessing that it probably has been laundered. I think they do laundry after most games, but, but I I did ask as well, like would a Pedersen Jersey or would an autograph, would a signed Pedersen Jersey bump the value? And somebody pointed out to me that like the true collectors they want them untouched. They don't want the autograph. Oh, really? But then there are a lot of people are saying, hey, if I'm poning up that kind of dough, it's BS that the Canucks don't have them all signed, that that should be part of. But but then somebody said, like, Pedersen, and, and I know, I guess, enough. I've seen enough. I, again, I'm not in the collector's world, but uh, if Pedersen, if you walked up to Pedersen and said, hey, I bought this jersey, can you sign it? He would probably attach your name to it to personalize it so that it keeps it from... You know, the resale market, that if it's just a general signature, then it gets passed around. But these players, I think they recognize that, uh, you know, that they're part of the show here. And if they put their signature on it, if they make it personal to you, it's tougher for you then to turn around and make big coin off their backs, right? And then it's it's your jersey. It's, it's for your personal collection at that point. Uh, anyways, uh, again, when I saw that these things were going up for bid, I, I kind of wondered... There are people out there with that kind of dough to spend, and you know, does it appreciate if if Patterson has 
you know, if he, he reaches new levels, if he has a couple more hundred point seasons, does that do anything to, you know, like if he becomes one of the, he's already knocking on the door, but if he becomes one of the true superstars in the game, like, you know, can his game-worn jersey from this past season, his first 100-point season, you know, can it appreciate? Somebody said, yeah, it can, but uh, it's more about watching to see what happens with that Captain C. The most bid on was the second, the one without the A. There was 44 bids on that one, but it didn't go uh, for the highest, as you mentioned. Right, I think there were people that were like, I can get in at this level. There were a bunch of guys that just didn't get any bids. I'm not going to run through them. That's It's kind of <laughs> embarrassing for them. But I'd like to acknowledge Colin Delia had one bid on his, and his jersey ended up going for $700. So congratulations to uh, somebody who got themselves a Colin. Do you, do you got any sort of uh, memorabilia? Uh, very little. Um, it just, it's not something I, I, I'm a guy that doesn't like clutter. I'm trying to get rid of things generally. Um, you know, I've got a Memorial Cup ring. Uh, oh, I do love that. Yeah, it's a pretty cool keepsake. Can you wear that on the on the pod one day just to just to, just to show it off? I can. I will bring it to the next pod. Uh, we don't record on the weekends, but sometime next week I will polish her up over the weekend. Yeah. Pull her out of the storage there. Yeah, I mean there have been a few things along the way that I've picked up, but uh, again, really, I, I just I live in my own personal world, a pretty simple life of I don't like clutter and stuff, and so. Um, you know, I, like guys that have had like framed jerseys and things on the office wall, like yeah, that's cool. Like, but that's just not something. Uh, there's there's no magic collection behind me behind the uh, the backdrop there. Uh, One guy on my baseball team is a big time collector. Like he loves flipping stuff. Yeah, and he got me a signed Mickey Mantle card. It's got the authenticity, like that. It's it was actually Mickey Mantle, but it says to Andrew Mickey Mantle. And what Andrew? but it's mine now um you know it's a podcast here so uh, yes i can show you the memorial cup ring but this isn't generally a video podcast so i don't know oh no well we can put it out we we, i I know the guy that runs the socials we could get a photo of it and put it up there applewood auto group is celebrating 25 years of business making the car business and our communities better applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car service or to join our team Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. We have been doing this Best Buy contest for a couple weeks now, JPAT, and we do have the winners. The last two winners want to say congratulations to Surrey Ryan at Ryan Chand on Twitter and just Cat. At Canucks Sedines on Twitter, uh, you guys are taking home $50 gift cards to Best Buy. And many thanks to Best Buy Canada for supporting this. And uh, yeah, 50 bucks can go a long way there. 
I don't know if it could pay for this guy, though. He's kind of expensive. <laughs> Patrick Johnston here yeah, joining breaks us the bank from the province. He, yeah, he's, uh, listen, we're tapped out here over at Rinkwide Vancouver. That's why we can only do it once a week with you there, PJ. <laughs> but trust me, oh, we know it's boy. gold each and every time uh, joining us now. Uh, listen, there's a bit of news sort of trickling around the Canucks right now. And, of course, this is Rick Dollywall's season. Right. And Dolly reporting today that uh, Ethan Bear perhaps could be facing surgery for that injury that he sustained at the World Hockey Championship. I mean, Jeff and I were batting it around uh, earlier here in, in the pod. Like, you know, perhaps this might give them pause to re-sign Ethan Bear. Uh, I don't know. 20, what, 25-year-old defenseman? Like, guys get hurt. That happens. Uh, it might hurt his bargaining power. But I don't know. It's always tough to read with these things. I mean, guys, I mean, the one thing we know, and we have seen this, you know, what, every season? I don't even know. Certainly just about every season I've been covering the team, there is someone who has to get surgery at the end of the season. They come back. They have a not very good season. And at the end of the following season, they say, I came back too soon. So um, I, I think that's the thing I'll be watching for now. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a shoulder issue or whatever, I mean, you can. I guess you can still skate. I guess you can still ride the bike, but it's not ideal. Uh, and and that I think more than anything, that's you know that is the concern for Ethan Bear. And you know, for the Canucks, this is a guy that that you know is he going to play with Quinn Hughes? You know, you you try to shake things out. Where's how does him and Hronek and Tyler Myers, assuming Tyler Myers is still here? Um, how do those shake, guys shake out on the right side? And and with a you know a Canucks team that clearly thinks they are going to be in the play, they should be in the or I mean they think they'll be in the playoffs next year. I mean Patrick Elvin's pretty much said so, and if they're not, that's you know on him. Uh, this is a real wrench in the works, and 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 so what do you do? You know I mean they, obviously I know you guys were talking about Luke Shen last time out, um, but. Uh, you know, is Luke Shen, you know, does this make the Luke Shen return if that's a thing? Um, more likely, probably, because, you know, there is a dependable, you need, you need, you're going to need someone who's dependable. You need someone who's going to be able to sort of swing in and out of the lineup. Maybe it makes Kyle Burroughs more attractive, you know, that there, there, to me, it's the knock on effects more than anything versus whether he gets resigned or not. But are we looking perhaps too within with the Canucks and not sort of out, like in terms of replacing him, right? Like his, you, you mentioned these names, and although Dollywall's reporting that Shen perhaps is close with the Leafs yeah. right now and signing him back, and you bring up Kyle Burroughs, and that's, that's a good point with Burroughs, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, maybe maybe we're looking too much uh, at what we or what they already had and not enough at, at what's out there. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, sure. I, I think the thing to recognize at the end of the day, though, is that the kind of guy that you're realistically chasing after, unless you don't, unless you're ready to move on from Bear, the guy that you're realistic is, you know, a bottom of the order kind of guy, a guy that is in that range. And yes, I mean that's why you don't overpay to retain any of these guys, right? That was the that was one of the reasons they went out, and you know, Jim Benning did, but Jim Benning went out and got Luke Shen in the first place. Was that here's a guy that they know. And they liked and was willing to come on a cheap deal. And whether his price is still the same, we don't know. Um, you know, but he is in that range of players. And this is how the world of the cap is finally slowly but surely shaking out. And, and you know, guys at that range, at that end of the lineup, kind of have to take what they can. And, and, and um, if there aren't any suitors, then there aren't any suitors. There's enough guys that kind of kind of fill that role. Kyle Burrows being you know an example of exactly that, lucked into his job a little bit, 
and proved he could be a dependable guy and is probably in that mix, but it's going to be tough for him to win a race. PJ, and I know you guys have been writing at the province, uh, sort of featuring each of the Canuck players uh, through the offseason here and looking sort of where they fit and what to expect. This team went out and spent a fair bit to bring in Philip Hironik, and we saw him for four games at the end of March when clearly he wasn't fully healthy, and then they shut him down. Just in, in your mind, like, what do you think they have in Philip Hironik? I'm really not sure. I mean, I talked to people who've watched him a lot more than I have. Um, you know, we, we saw a glimmer of the puck skills. We know that he is a talented puck mover. Uh, he's a guy that likes to skate with the puck. That's certainly the Canucks and uh, something that Canucks needed more of. Um, you know, we heard the sort of anecdotal stuff from his teammates about how hard he works in practice, and certainly a guy that you know I think came in with wanting to prove something, uh, especially because he had been dealing with a shoulder issue. And, you know, say, hey, look, I'm good, I'm good. You know, guys are going to do that. That's sort of in, that's an instinctual thing. Um, to me, that's that remains the question. Is is you know, how much more is there defensively? I wrote about him uh, the other day, sort of saying, who is he? And you go and look at his numbers in Detroit. Now, Detroit have been mostly a god-awful team. Um, and so it's really hard to assess players on god-awful teams. And, at you know, sort of the, the, the I suppose the worst thing you could say about him was that the team wasn't any worse with him on the ice. Um, they They weren't. You know, they weren't, he was on the ice and things sort of carried on. Um, Whether, you know, is he a guy that if defensively you put him on a better team, and I think the Canucks would like to believe they can be a better team. Of course, we haven't seen that. They've been one of the worst defensive teams in the last couple of years. You know, is he a guy that's going to move the meter in the right direction? That's the question that I'm looking for that I'll be looking to see. I think we know that he'll certainly help the breakouts. And part of the theory I think we've seen here is that the Canucks, themselves have said um the, the Canucks themselves have said this is a thing that we need to be better at we need to control the puck better we need to move the puck out of the better zone better so that we're not getting caught up in our own end all the time and you know we of course to go back to Ethan Bear I mean that was one of some of his postseason comments was saying you know I showed up and there was no plan um nobody really knew what to do you'd ask a guy what am I supposed to do here and he'd be like I don't know um, and that, you know, it was his point. It, was, it wasn't, it, that, that was the structure issue. There was no sort of common sense of what they were trying to do. Um, and I, you know, we certainly get the impression that at least under Tockett and Adam Foote, um, that, that there was more, at least sort of a common cause, if you will, in terms of what they were doing when they were on the ice. And so, you know, he'll get a training camp and get some preseason games and get into the season and, We'll see at that point if he's made a difference. I, I I think he's still very much an open book. Like I said, we know he can move the puck. He was having a great offensive season in Detroit. That's big. The Canucks, you know, need players that can move the puck. They struggled with that. Um, but I think we still don't quite know quite what he'll bring to the table here because in the end he's not going to be running the power play. And uh, that was a big thing for him in Detroit. It'll be interesting too. I mean, we've seen here in the playoffs, Vegas had three goals from defensemen in the first two games. Uh, Brandon Montour scored... Uh, as a defenseman for Florida last night, Canucks were dead last in the NHL in goals from their defensemen. You know, I, I think that that's an area, again, I'm not expecting him to be a 20-goal scorer, but I do think that's an area that he can bring a little bit of a different look. Also, 
I wonder, like the people that I've talked to that have seen him and I'm like you, like, you know, people have watched him a lot more than I have, but people say, you know, he's physical at his size, but does he address this toughness issue in any way that Rick Tockett has on his wish list. I, I I mean I think conventionally no certainly plays hard and you know they you want guys that play hard sure absolutely right. but you know part of the modern defenseman game is this positional thing I talked a little bit about this on Scaris and Price the other day like you know you would like to see more hits I think Kronik is a guy that certainly wants to be, play physically is he going to knock you down on your butt the way Luke Shen did I mean Luke Shen's an outlier in that as well so I I don't know I I think. I, I, at the end of the day, it's about what you know your ability to sort of deny the other team opportunities, and um, that's what the Canucks certainly in the first half of the season really struggled. I think they were a little bit better under 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 um, under Tockett, and we know management believes you know that word structure they believe will be the the, the secret to their success. If they're and it's not a shock, you know the few. <laughs> The better you are sort of preventing the other team from scoring, the better chance you're going to have to win. It's not exactly rocket science here. So, yeah, is is like I said, that's what comes back to me. That's the one sort of question I think I have coming from Detroit. Is he a guy that, uh, you know, is he a guy that, you know, was doing a competent job? It's not. It's not. It, like I said, he that the Red Wings were not great as a unit uh, when he was on the ice. They were no worse. Um, they weren't, it wasn't like it was a night and day change though. And, you know, sometimes that's just about the group of players you have. And, uh, sometimes that's about the players themselves. I, I think in his case, it was more about the players involved. Um, the other, the other dilemma on him actually, just to just add one more point was last year he was playing less. Mo Sider taken a lot of his minutes, you know, he just was not being asked to play as big of a role. Um, and that that's not a knock against him. That's just most cider. I think everyone would say if you had to pick which defenseman do you want, I think you're going to pick most cider. But uh, uh, you know that that gave me pause. He, he did play a little bit less, and I you know okay, a little less defensive pressure, I suppose. And I think that is a role that we'll see him play in Vancouver. Um, it didn't it didn't hurt his game, but I, there wasn't a tangible massive effect on his defensive game either. Yeah. The uh, Canucks new catchphrase for next year, just going to be structure. That's it. Right. Just structure right across the t-shirt. Yeah, uh, exactly. Lastly here, would you pay $3,700 for a game worn Jersey for any athlete? Is there anybody that you no, would well, pay for I'm that? I'm the wrong guy to ask. Yeah. I'm the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy to ask. I've never been a Jersey guy. You know, Paul Chapman is the guy to ask because these guys always love memorabilia. And on the old, uh, on old province sports radio, our old podcast, this used to come up all the time. Um, it's some of the shenanigans that he and Jonathan McDonald would get up to at charity auctions and things like that. I'm not, I've never, I've, I think I've had like, I mean, okay. I currently have a, a early 1990s Canucks sweater that I believe has Ryan Walter's signature on believe? it because I bought it. I, I think it's Ryan Walter. Oh. Um, I, I haven't asked Ryan if it's him, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Um, but I picked it up at Value Village for a friend's 40th birthday party years ago. And, you know, and so, like, that's one. I had a King's jersey when I was like 10 because, you know, the black and silver was cool. And that's it. And oh, I had a Kimmich Vostrasank jersey once because you know that was you know finding yourself a Russian league jersey in the mid '90s seemed like something kind of nifty. But like, no, I've never been a jersey guy, so I, I'm really not the guy. Is that what these um, these uh, Canucks game worn? That was the highest were, one, thirty seven hundred and what sixty five dollars for an Elias Patterson game worn 
one with the A there. So there you go. Yeah, you can put it up on the wall. Not a, yeah, I mean, there's people. I mean, like, to go way back, I don't know if you remember this one, Jeff, but I was involved in the hunt for Mike McKenna's jersey. Ah, yes, and, I do. Uh, and my, you know, I helped Mike. We're, you know, I know a couple guys that are collectors, and they sort of were able. I think we think this guy has it, and uh, we, you know, poor Mike. Mike tried, hit a dead end. The guy wouldn't get back to him, um, but someone wanted Mike McKenna's. You know, is it if you sit on the bench, is that game worn? Because Mike sat on the bench for two nights. Jeff and I were there. Um, and uh, does that count as game worn? I think it really does. Sure. I think you're t- in the warm up. In the warm up and. You were wearing it during a game, as opposed to just one of the, you know, game issued ones. I think there's yeah. a distinction to be made, but right, no, if, right. if you wore it while the game was going on, that's game worn. Yeah. So anyway, someone paid money for Mike McKenna's jersey, so you know, I am not shocked to hear that people are paying thirty seven hundred dollars for uh, for Lewis Pedersen. I get the Mike McKenna. You know, it's a quirky little item, but I don't think anybody's chasing after him. And Mike's a great guy. I love talking to Mike. No, so the, to be clear, not mocking or making fun of him, but, you know, that that was the lesson for me forever. If someone's going to pay whatever it was at the team store to get that thing, uh, you know, people are going to throw all kinds of money at stuff. Well, this was a $3,700 hit from you. All right. Well done, PJ. And uh, you just <laughs> Thanks, send boys. the invoice uh, to GoGo Sports, not to us. <laughs> Sounds good. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Freak Rod Vancouver is presented by Bodog, the place to make a play on free casino games and sports odds. Let's get into some playoff talk, though, J Pat. Uh, Stanley Cup final talk, the Panthers, the Cats. Staying alive with a 3-2 overtime victory, uh, cutting VGK's lead in the series to 2-1. Carter Verhege with the OT winner. But the story, I think, really kind of was Matt Kachuk, really. He gets the game uh, tying goal late with just over two minutes left in the game, but he got lit up in the first period uh, by Kolasar, ended up uh, missing some time, came back in the second period, and then just did Matt Kachuk things in that game. I was completely wrong when it came to the amount of shots on goal, but I think I was right in terms of you know saying that goalie Bob was at least going to steal a game in the series because he definitely stole that one. Yeah, Bob was back. Uh, sure, Kachuk is in the middle of things for the Panthers, uh, but to me, Bob was the story there. They don't win sure. that game without his performance, yeah, sure. particularly in the second period. Uh, he was outstanding. And so now he's given Vegas something to think about. Uh, is earlier playoff Bob back, or was it a one-night uh, one night appearance? Uh, whatever the case, that game reminded me so much of Game 7 against the Boston Bruins when the Panthers were down, needed a late goal, go to overtime. Oh, yeah, Carter Verhege. And Aiden Hill's been so good in these playoffs. Uh, the game winner, you'd like to think that that was one that maybe he could have stopped. There's bodies in front and traffic going to the net and easy for me to sit in an armchair and say, oh yeah, you should stop that in uh, overtime in the Stanley Cup final. But he's been saving everything that, uh, you know, he had raised expectations. I guess I just figured uh, he'd make that save. Whatever the case, uh, 
you know, Golden Knights uh, have only themselves to blame. They got the questionable call with 11 seconds left in the third period, so they started overtime on a power play and didn't really do anything with it. And uh, and then credit to the Panthers. Uh, they have a first Stanley Cup final victory in franchise history. It's taken them a couple of decades to get there. Uh, I was worried, though. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, which would be more painful, ultimately, getting to two game sevens and losing, like the Canucks, or going through two Stanley Cup finals and getting swept and never having a victory. And I, I think most people would say, oh, game seven, like that's the painful part. But think about it from a fan, at least Canuck fans, they got to ride the roller coaster of emotions to get to game sevens and had some wins to get excited about. You're the Florida Panthers. No, nah, <laughs> nah, if you're going to kill me, just kill me right away. Just don't don't draw it out. <laughs> don't don't make me suffer. Just 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 put me away. No, I disagree. I think the Game 7 losses are, are, are worse. I, listen, my Bodog best bet was bad as well. I had Aiden Hill over 30 and a half saves. He only had him to make 20. And the VGK outshot the Cats at 27-23. Well, I, I, and I'm with you on like the Game 7 losses. I mean, come on, you're that close. But but you think about it, like it's taken them two decades to get back to a Stanley Cup final. And it looked like if Vegas had won last night, I, I think they probably would have swept. And then you're like, really? Like, eight games in the Stanley Cup final and you haven't had a single win to get excited about, but they changed all that. That's a moot point now. They got their win and they are right back in this thing. Like, you know, like I, I said Vegas in five. I'm going to stick with that. It's playing out that, you know, we I think we both agreed that if, uh, well, no, because we didn't. You thought that Vegas would get three and then Florida would rise up. I kind of figured they had to have the one win last night. So let's see where it goes from here. But, you know, we got a series again. And that, from a hockey fan's perspective, uh, you know, that's good news. I'm hoping that uh, Florida can tie the series. I want to see it go the distance. I'm, I'm not done with hockey just yet. My best bet today is around golf, though, ah, okay. because as we record this right now, he's on course, but he's still the outright leader. And I'm just I've been refreshing Bodog just to make sure that the odds uh, haven't changed or, or, you know, because you know guys are on course right now. But I got Corey Connors to win this right now. He's at plus 650. He's minus six as we record this. He's on course. So. Listen, if you you know you're listening to this, you're probably not going to get the odds that uh, I'm saying right now, but I'm going to place the bet right now because I want that plus six fifty. And not only that, uh, I want to see a Canadian win this contest or this tournament. So we'll see if Corey Connors I can pull that off. And honestly, he's on my TV right now. He's at dash five on the fourth hole here uh, as they head into the weekend. But he is definitely going to make the cut. Let's see if Corey Connors can uh, pull this one out. Of course, all our playoff talk. And the Stanley Cup final talk is presented by Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. And maybe we get a playoff at the RBC Canadian Open. When all was said and done, yeah. Adam Hadwin had a nice round. He had off a terrible start in round one, but uh, since then, reeled it back in. And he's uh, going to be on the leaderboard somewhere, uh, heading to the weekend as well. Uh, not the greatest of weather in Toronto for... Hey, if you feel good about Hadwin right now, because his round's done for the day, yep. He's at plus 2,000. There you go. There's some great value there. Yeah, and there's good value, great value, in fact, in dealing with Jason Hominick because this guy has the answers uh, about mortgages. That's what he does. It's what he's been doing for the better part of 30 years. And we talk him up every day here on the program, but for a reason, because he wants to help you. And mortgages are more complex than ever. There are so many options out there, so many moving parts. You're not expected to have all the answers. Like I think some people think, oh, I can figure this out. I'm going to do it myself or whatever. No, uh, we're talking about big money, the biggest investment most people are going to make in their lifetime in a home. 
and you want to have the advice of a pro on your side. And that's where Jason Hominick rolls into this equation. So reach out to him, start with a phone call, and see what he can do to help you and your family get the best value to save money, whatever the case. Uh, reach out with a phone call. Jason.mortgage is the website. All his contact info is listed there. And you know, I'm not doing it by myself. Any sort of math? Yeah, exactly. Not happening. All right. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this weekend. A uh, big weekend, of course, to see if Florida can get themselves back into this year, get things evened up as they uh, play game four on Saturday night. We'll be back, though, on Monday with another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink Wide is the show. It all this goes.